Welcome to Y11 Audio. I'm Alex Alvarado. Thank you for listening. And if you haven't signed up yet, make sure you do so right now. This is game week. It's game day, actually. I'm recording this on Saturday morning. I'd like to do these earlier in the week, but too much phlegm in my throat. Just too many loogies coughing up this week. I just was not going to produce a podcast with my voice sounding like that. Right now, it sounds, eh, it could be better, but it is what it is. Y11 Audio is Ypsilanti's only college football podcast, so make sure you sign up for free updates there. Go to ypsy11.com for more written content as well, like my football preview, like depth charts, like recaps, like, I don't know, whatever other stories happen during the week. I will be there for you. I'm the only one covering Eastern Michigan full-time like this, and it's not even full-time. I'm doing this. Uh, well, there's a grind behind it. There's a grind behind it. Just follow me to support me. And I appreciate those that have already done so and come back. And if you're new here, hey, thanks for trying something new. I hopefully, uh, I hope you stick around. Hope you enjoy what you, what you hear, what you read. And if you know someone else that's like, hey, man, I'm an Eastern Michigan fan. Why haven't, why haven't you shown me ypsilanti11.com? Why haven't you shown me ypsilanti11.com? Why haven't you shown me Y11 Audio Podcast? Uh, go tell your friends about that. Go tell your friends that there is a sports media outlet that actually does care about covering this team, that does care about covering the school, that does care about covering the ups and downs and in between and, you know, things that you just don't normally read on the pages of name a newspaper, just name a newspaper around here too, local one, as local as you want to get. It's Arizona State week. We got to do a quick week two re-recap now that it's a week late, whatever. A rundown of Mac Power rankings before someone gets slaughtered again. A quick update on something else on campus and... Three keys for the game. Three keys. Yes, it's corny, but we're doing three keys. The re-recap. Look, you've you've already heard it a bunch. 49-21 Eastern lost at Louisiana last week. It was really bad, really stormy. There was a one-hour weather delay, and then that turned into a four-minute halftime. And even though EMU was up 14-0, um, after the weather delay to finish up their de- to finish up their drive. And going to halftime with the lead. Louisiana just turned it around. EMU just did not have it in the bag. Lost focus. Lost something. Uh, Creighton kept praising. Coach Creighton kept praising the effort and the physicality that they played with. However, they got lapped on the scoreboard, especially in the second half. Uh, EMU finished with 21 points for the game. Louisiana started with 21 points in the third quarter and then 28 in the fourth. EMU also had 10 penalties, which is very, very uncharacteristic. Even over the last, like, three years, I don't know if there was any game where they had ten penalties. Definitely a couple games where there are nine. But the average is usually around, like, you know, five. Definitely half of that. So it was super uncharacteristic of EMU to give up penalties the same day that, you know, they had some freebies given to them via penalties from Louisiana. That Louisiana helped EMU sustain drives, especially early on in the game. But then EMU just kind of gave it right back. And the weather delay. Like, there's just, you know, there's no... It's it's hard to prepare for that. Even if Creighton's gone through it a bunch. His first game at EMU, weather delay. Central Connecticut, remember that game? Power went out because weather kind of stormed, stormed through for a few minutes and had a, had a quick delay. Almost lost that game. Probably should have. One of the best games. <laughs> it was a really good game. Really bad game. NIU, you know, that was a game where, you know, the way he put it, 
when they went to the locker room for a lightning delay, they kept the pads on. They were like, all right, we're just going to stay focused. We're going to be out there in 30 minutes. And then two hours later, it was like, all right, now we're ready to play. Ended up losing that game, too. Lost this one at Louisiana. Just not good. And it, and it all resulted in Louisiana just spanking it on with seven straight touchdowns at the end. It's just not good. Don't don't want to see that. But it is what it is. It's It's a non-conference game. EMU is measuring itself against a Sunbelt champion, a multiple Sunbelt champion, multiple times Sunbelt champion of Louisiana, even though it's going through, you know, a change in regime, even though the head coach isn't there, even though the quarterback isn't there. It's still a damn good program that has a lot of football players that want to play football and know how to play it well. And they have coaches that, you know, yeah, the, the the young guy, the the alum, he's new, but he's a good coach. That's why he got the job, and he knows how to do it right at Louisiana because, you know, he's he, he he's a Louisiana guy. He he played there, he coached there for a long time, and he's still very young, so he has a lot of good ideas. I I assume, big win for Louisiana, good for them, not good for EMU, which really stinks. So EMU drops to one and one after a win over EKU. A loss to Louisiana. They're already in Arizona State as I speak and as you listen. They're in Arizona State. They're in Tempe. Uh, let's check the weather right now. Let's do this live. Tempe, Arizona weather. All right, so we're looking at a high of 100 today with a low of 74. And then tomorrow, Sunday, they'll be gone. They'll be gone, thankfully, because the high of 103... Low of 77, high of 103 on Monday, high of 100 on Tuesday. Again, EMU will be long gone by then, but Jesus Christ, man. These guys are the Sun Devils for a reason. They play closer to the Sun. They just play way closer to the Sun. And uh, it won't be fun. It's not going to be a fun environment to play in. You go to the bayou, it's swampy, it's it's muggy. And now you go to the desert where it's just hot as hell and you legally cannot play until that sun goes down you legally cannot do it like they have to wait a very long time before that sun goes down and so it's cool enough and safe enough for the players to play the coaches to coach and the fans to enjoy uh what they can out of this game and they should it should be a you know a pretty good coach game i think very well about creighton as much as everybody assumes myself included that herm edwards uh should be out the door at some point pretty soon for you know the way he handled um the pandemic and having players high school players visit when the entire nation said and the ncaa said you absolutely cannot do that yeah i know like there's other cheaters that happen in this sport but arizona state got really egregious with things and got caught super hard and it's weird that they did all that and then a lot of other coaches not named her herm edwards are gone and a lot of coaches named Herm Edwards was able to stay very fun very fun scenario still he's there which means it's a good good coach program for as far as coaching the football goes that's one guy that I trust to do all that handling pandemic different situation and so it'll it'll be a good time for EMU to head down to the Pac-12 realm head head you know, go west and do that. It's the second time EMU's ever gone to a Pac-12 school. Did you know that? The first time was in 1988, so a year after the 87 Cal Bowl win, which, segue, 
if you haven't bought the home field shirts now that i can talk about it because last episode i was like ah i'm not going to talk about the really nice shirts as much as i love home field for hooking me up for free and as much as i love as as great as the script shirt and the cowboy shirt are at the time teachers were on strike so i was like eh, they want us to wear red i'm not gonna i'm not gonna dot in green now the contract's been settled which is great players are back in class uh, i asked coach creighton about that i asked you know what that was kind of like for his players because you know they had to and i said they had to miss class and all that stuff and he said no they didn't miss class because they're still responsible for the coursework uh coach last week uh on campus uh Teachers voted to go on union strike, or the union decided to go on strike last week. A lot of your players missed classes because of it. Uh, they're back in class now that their things are solved, but I'm just kind of wondering what you know your thoughts are on the matter. It's a big deal that's getting a lot of national attention as a lot of grads that are paying attention to the story. Yeah, I don't think that our guys missed class. Um, they didn't go to class if the professor had canceled it. Um, or if they went to class and then you know what the, the university put out was if you're in class, there's not a professor there, be there for 15 minutes, you know, before you leave. And that, that the students are, all of our guys were still responsible for the coursework. So that's the mode of operation that we went through last week. And, um, uh, you know, obviously it wasn't ideal, but I think we got through it just fine. Let me just read this really quickly. Healthcare was a key issue during negotiations. The proposed agreement protects the current PPO plan for EMU tenured and tenured track faculty. Faculty will receive the same amount of healthcare options as administrators and other groups on campus. The EMU AAUP and negotiating team successfully fought back against an administration proposal to impose hard caps on employer contributions to healthcare, which would have resulted in astronomical increases for faculty with premiums up to as much as $8,300 a year or more for those with family coverage. Healthcare premiums are defined in the proposed agreement based on an 80-20 cost sharing model. Negotiators secured a zero cost HMO program that could save participating faculty up to over $3,000 a year for family coverage when switching from PPO to HMO healthcare coverage. The tentative agreement also includes an increase in dental coverage to $1,500 per participant, the tentative agreement will strengthen EMU's commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion with a commitment to conduct a salary equity study with faculty input based on evidence presented by EMU AAUP showing inequities affecting female and black indigenous and people of color faculty. So BIPOC faculty. The parties also agreed to establish a joint committee to examine student evaluation documents with the goal of eliminating implicit and explicit bias against BIPOC female and LGBTQ plus faculty. Now, if you want to read the full post from the EMU AAUP, uh, just check out the show notes. I've put in a link to their Facebook post about it. Uh, great win for them. I'm really happy for them. They were on strike from Wednesday last week through Sunday night. It was like literally the I'm not going to say 11th hour the 23rd hour maybe the 24th hour that final hour of the day where that where news came out that a tentative agreement has been struck and then this post from a couple days ago was posted so big win for the teachers I'm happy for them happy for the students that get to go back to class and be with the teachers that want to be with the students so much they, they really do man they do not want to 
stand out there with signs and just argue about money all day. That's not that's not what they want to do. If they wanted to argue about money all day, they wouldn't have gone into teaching. I'm just just going to be very frank with you there. If the teachers wanted to argue about money all day, they wouldn't have been teachers. But obviously things got to a point where they were screwed over so hard by the administration that things had to boil over to this point. And it's really, really sad that it that it got here. This isn't one of those situations where I think now that they're in the classroom, things are all peachy and things are all good again. How about a hell no? How about a hell no? Things are not still good. I have zero reason to believe that just because the the fine professors at Eastern Michigan in that union got a contract that they feel they deserve finally, that does not mean that they are happy. That does not mean they are not looking for other jobs. And I'm not reporting anything. I'm not, I'm just assuming if I were in that position, I were unhappy with my employer, wouldn't you just start like sending out your resume elsewhere? EMU is a special place. And if you love EMU, you've probably caught yourself saying that. And if you've caught yourself saying that, then you've probably figured out that you have great relationships with a lot of these educators, the educators, which are the backbone of this university, the educators that are the backbone of, ah, man, just as much as you figured shit out throughout life, these professors, man, these, these are the people that really set up your guardrails for you. These are the ones that really let you know that this is the path you actually want to take and you don't want to run with scissors facing up. Those are the ones who are saving your lives before you actually realize it. And so I have a lot of gratitude for these people. I really am personally upset that things had to come to this point. And I know that, again, this isn't a report. This is just me reading years worth of information, like easily accessible information to know that people that work for Eastern Michigan are not happy with, with the university that is screwing them over at the same time. And there's a lot more arguments to be had that don't exactly have to do with education that really impact the way people look at Eastern Michigan these days. And it's, it, it, it just sucks. It just sucks because we, none of us want to do this stuff. None of us want to talk about the ethics of how a university runs business. How should it get money? Is sports the best way of doing it? Is private dining the way of doing it? Is screwing over professors and ripping them, ripping them of their health care? Is, is that the best approach of all this? Is that, are we EMU? Is my, is my giant university with, with trees and a fountain and a, and a, you know, student center and a basketball court, a couple basketball courts and a, you know, some classrooms here and there and some nice buildings and a great observatory and a shit ton of parking lots. Is that, is this university really the protagonist in all this? Really? Like, is that what it is? The the strength and well-being and the and the and the money getting of EMU as it looks across the nation at other small schools in the state, other small schools in the conference, other universities in general. I get that it's a business at some point, but man, what the the first point though is the education. And the first point is also the students. And the first point is also literally just the people. The first point is the people. The second point is the buildings. And I wish EMU would have just remembered that because 
I was talking to somebody and I said, it sucks that it's gotten to the point, but this is a teacher school, man. Why are we screwing over teachers? This was literally a normal school when it was built. And I get that it's had to rebrand over the years into being a university to open up to more, you know, more possibilities of students walking through the doors. And it's definitely worked that way. But at the end of the day, this started as a teacher's college and people still come to Eastern Michigan because of the teaching program. And not all these these educators are there teaching education. They're teaching history, they're teaching literature, they're teaching math, they're teaching, you know, astrology, they're teaching I don't know. What what's that one class? Underwater basket weaving? I never got to take that one. And I was and I was saying, like, this is a teacher's college. How could they do this? And their point was, yeah, it it should be a point of pride. It really should be a point of pride, but it isn't. Shout out to the teachers for getting their contracts settled. And I, I'm i not excited for the next strike. I don't know when the hell that's going to be because the last one was in 2006 or 2004. But I am not ready for... I'm not ready for this university to not learn its lesson and kick itself in the ass again. I'm not ready for that. I'm just not. But you know what I am ready for? I am ready for some football, and I am ready to talk about some power rankings. Some power rankings. And I didn't change too many since last week because week two was just such an ugly week. How am I supposed to move anybody up or anybody beneath anybody else when I read? And I'm just going to say loss versus win. A loss versus a win. Did this MAC team win or did this MAC team lose its non-conference game? The only one that's not going to be in this conversation is the only MAC on MAC game, which was Western over Ball State 37-30. But MAC versus non-MAC, let's go down the list. EMU Louisiana, loss. Kent versus Oklahoma, loss. Akron at Michigan State, loss. Ohio at Penn State, loss. Central host South Alabama, loss. Bowling Green, hey, you get to host FCS level Eastern Kentucky, loss in seven overtimes. Bowl, hey, Buffalo, Buffalo, what about you? You you host an FCS school, loss. Hail married, 37-31. Miami, please, please, please. Yes, you win. You beat Robert Morris, 31-14. to Who cares? Toledo, hey, you win. You beat UMass, 55-10. to Who cares? Northern Illinois. Oh, you guys better do... Lost 35-38. to Well, to who? Tulsa? What? Tulsa? You lost to Tulsa? You're, you're NIU. What? NIU, aren't you supposed to be, like, good? What? You lost to Tulsa? <sighs> it is what it is. Let's talk some power rankings. So, at number one, I haven't moved you. And, you know, I don't remember where I moved a lot of these guys. But know that I haven't moved too many from last week. Number one is Toledo. Toledo hasn't shat the bed yet. Congrats to you, Toledo, for not, you know, for doing uh, for doing that. But uh, Toledo's been talked about a lot this week because they're going to Ohio State. And I don't know if you've heard anything, but Ohio State's pretty damn good. Ohio State's really good. It's one over the state for, I don't know, my lifetime, my dad's lifetime, probably his dad's lifetime. I don't know how old his dad is. But I'm sure his lifetime. I don't know who his dad is either, but I'm sure his lifetime has been filled with Ohio State being good at football. Probably not the same way we see it now, but you get the point. Ohio State's 
incredibly good. It is uh, great-grandfathered into the playoff every year now, as they should be. And Jason Candle, Toledo's head coach, was asked, you know, hey, what do you, you know, what, what do you do with people that live in the area? Yeah, you've kind of answered this years before, but hey, let's re-up this conversation. What do you feel about, you know, about fans? What, what should fans do? I'm just going to play the clip. Toledo has a good fan base, obviously, but we live in this borderland where there's fans of a lot of different teams, including Ohio State. Basically, in the past, I know you said something along the lines of, if you live in Toledo and you didn't go to Michigan or Ohio State, there's no excuse for Toledo not to be your first team. What do you think I mean by that? And I know it's obvious, but and why is it why is it so important for you know everybody to be around the hometown? Well, I, I get it. I understand. You know, I, I grew up in a, in a household, a household of Buckeye fans. I understand that. But uh, you know, like you live in the city of Toledo, like you go to work here every day, you pay taxes here, like root for the home team. And that would be my message. You know, and I don't, I don't see. I'm not deviating from that. I don't care who we play this weekend. So, you know, uh, root for your hometown team. Like I said, you be where your feet are. That kind of thing. You got your degree from Ohio State, or you, you know, you. you you send your kids there. I get that part of it too, and that's a that's awesome to root for them. But uh, you know, I'd like to see the camaraderie, the 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 local crowd rally around this football team each and every weekend. And if Ohio State needs to be your second favorite team, I'm good with that too. I don't know what it is, but people don't like that response, which I don't get. Like, how dare you tell us what to do with our lives after we pay our taxes wherever we damn well live? It's not our fault we ended up in Toledo. If we wanted to live anywhere else in the world, anywhere else in the world, I guarantee you, Jason Candle, we would not be living here in the TOL. We would not be living here. Hell no. But I do live in the state, so I'll root for Ohio State still. Go Bucks. Look, it sucks to hear the phrase, because you pay your taxes, come root for us. It really sucks to hear. I get it. You don't want to be told you know, how to live your life. You don't want to be sold advertisements. It doesn't matter if it's from... A spokesperson selling Dunkaroos or if it's a head coach trying to sell Toledo football and one argument that I heard in private was well he's not selling the team enough he's not selling a team enough he's just saying if you live in Toledo then that should be good enough which is dumb you should sell the product if you are a football coach that's your message if if you live where I am working you will root for my team. Like, I don't... How, how how damn simple is this? Like, if you're a football coach, you don't stand up there and say, um, I understand we have 3,000 fans total, but we are not accepting any more applications at this time. I hope all 3,000 show up at the... Uh, I, don't, I don't know how big it is. 100,000-seat stadium of the shoe. Wear your color still. Please don't be, uh, you know... Please don't fall to peer pressure and wear scarlet and gray. Please don't do that. Please wear the navy and gold. Please keep doing that. Please, 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 please. No, you're always taking you're always taking more fans. Are you kidding me? You always be crudin. And yeah, that should be your freaking response. If you live in Toledo, the name on the helmet, the name on the uniform, the name on the school, please root for Toledo. That should be good enough. I I, I don't I don't see how this is a deal. And I saw, and I, I love and respect those guys, meet at midfield. I saw them kind of post about it and kind of like poking fun at Jason Candle and saying, why would you say that? Like, why would you even do that? And here I am thinking, yes, if I'm Toledo and I'm playing five unwinnable games at once, the 
the unwinnable game of football, the unwinnable game of having more fans at the end of the day, the unwinnable game of having more engagement online at the end of the day, the unwinnable game of recruiting more fans, and the unwinnable game of recruiting recruits away from Ohio State and to Toledo, or literally any other program to Toledo. Those seem like a lot of like very impossible tasks at hand, but guess what? Toledo's playing all five of those games this week, and it's not just the football part. It's everything else. It's the social aspect, and the social aspect probably matters a little bit more than the football product, and if I'm being completely honest in this matchup, it doesn't matter if Toledo is so good in the MAC that they're the ones that, if I had to pick any team that could beat a P5 team, yeah, Toledo's definitely up there. And that that's true as it is, but that's not the point of it. That's not the point of it. It'll only be the point if Toledo comes away with the win. But if Toledo loses by one or if Toledo loses by 40, all that shit feels the same. All the losses feel the same. It does not matter. Because what happened last year at Notre Dame? Toledo really should have won, but they didn't, so it doesn't matter. It'll feel the exact same. The only re- the only way it can feel different is if Toledo wins the football part. Until then, you are you're playing unwinnable games, and it's okay to accept that. It's okay to accept that as Toledo. It's okay to accept that this is only the first time in Toledo's history that Toledo's going to play on broadcast television, right? Last year would have been the first. However, the game against Notre Dame traditionally an NBC game, it got pushed to the Peacock streaming network. And it was a, it was a stupid move. I hate streaming, man. I hate the world of streaming. I hate I hate it. I hate it. I hate it because it's just like, oh, you want to watch this football game? Guess what? We made it pay-per-view all of a sudden. But now Toledo's going to be playing on Fox. This is the most eyeballs on Toledo all at once. And it's not really on Toledo. It's on the team Toledo's playing, right? It's on Ohio State. And people are noticing that the other team is called Toledo. That's going to be why all the eyeballs are there. And so that's where people, or that's where Toledo's going to have to win over new recruits, win over new fans, and say, hey, we respect them because look at how they played Ohio State of all people. Now, after this weekend, people in Toledo still live in Toledo. Unless you're moving this weekend for whatever reason. Maybe you're moving to Columbus for this game. So you just don't have to deal with the candle. But unless that's the case, there's a great chance that if you lived in Toledo during that quote, there's a good chance that you're going to be living in Toledo in four weeks. And Toledo needs your support then too. Toledo doesn't need to be like, well, let me let me try to sell you on this offense again. See, we're, we're playing well. We have this dynamic quarterback. We have this receiver that catches with zero hands. He can actually just catch it with the face mask, and somehow that's good enough for a touchdown. It's unbelievable football. You should watch Toledo and come up with a new iteration of that every week. You shouldn't have to freaking do that if you live in Toledo. If you live in Toledo, that's good enough for the coach to say, come to the games. We want this to be a community experience, and the community expands wider than the campus. So if you live in Toledo, come root for Toledo. I have no problem with the coach saying that. It's it's dumb to think that he shouldn't say that. Put yourself in literally any coach's shoes and and for just imagine yourself being like, yeah, we don't need the fans. Don't act like you can come up with a better thing than what he said. Don't even act like it. Number two is Western Michigan. Uh, they beat Ball State last week, of course. Looking good, but... Man, you moved up because a lot of teams just just wanted to move down this week. Number three is NIU because, I mean, you played Tulsa. You lost close. 
Man, you really should have beat Tulsa, though. Central, you're four. You lost to South Alabama. That's bad. Uh, five, I moved Eastern Michigan down from four to five. Just bleh, bleh. But altogether, I still love those five West teams more than I love really anybody else at this point. Ohio, you're six. You lost to Penn State. It's hard to read that. Miami, Ohio, the East favorite, still without his quarterback. Beat RMU last week, Robert Morris, uh, a team you should beat. Didn't really didn't really learn a lot. And Ball State, after it got blanked by Tennessee, played pretty well against Western Michigan. But I would love to see more. So they're eight. Kent State, and that's this is where the biggest divide is, is from eight to nine. That's where my biggest drop-off is. Kent State lost to Oklahoma, 33-3. to three. Uh, covered Bowling Green lost to EKU Jesus Christ dude I want to put them so much lower but I can't because Akron after its overtime win against St. Francis and FCS school I'm counting that as a loss uh, got spanked by Michigan State and somehow I figured out to put Buffalo underneath Akron for the new last place team in the MAC because you got holy crossed because you got hail married by Holy Cross. You got Hail Mary by Holy Cross? Talk about the challenges this week. You just had a long trip to Louisiana. You guys get back early Sunday morning. Now you got to go way out west and play a really late kickoff. It feels like you have a short prep time, but Saturday you really got to maintain that to a, to a late night kickoff too and be ready to go at what would be 11 o'clock Eastern time. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, you know, they're back-to-back. Um, a, Not to mention the weather, right? Just, uh, you know, you're going down south, um, and then you're going to the desert, and two late games. We got back around 5 a.m. Um, I know some of the guys never slept before we even met, you know, later um, that night, which is not not good. Um, so, anyway, it is what it is. We, you know, we got to get prepared, and we will. Um, might adjust practice a little bit here this week, um, just making sure that our guys are are rested. Um, but it's, so it's it's both this week, you know, and then the effect, the cumulative effect, you know, of um, the next week and the ensuing week. So we just got to be really smart with that. Our guys got to be disciplined and get rest to make sure they're eating right. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll be ready to go. It's Arizona State week. It's Arizona State Day, actually. Arizona State's going to be really tough to beat. I'm just going to be honest. They're they're talented. They're good. They have Emory Jones at quarterback, who is not the best quarterback in the world. However, damn, he can make that offense run. And damn, he is he athletic. He is just super, super talented, especially running the football. It's going to be hard to bring down. You know, going from, and just as Creighton pointed out in that clip, going from the hot, the, the delay, the sleeplessness, coming back to Michigan for a cool off and a weird week, back in class, and now you get back on a plane and it's 100 goddamn degrees and you have to wait for another late night just to stay healthy, just to stay hydrated, you know, just to play the football game. And then it's going to be another late flight back home. So hopefully you don't have to have two abbreviated weeks like that. And I don't want to look too far ahead. But next week is another home game, and it's the MAC opener against Buffalo. And that's not—I I, I know Buffalo's not that great, but that's not a gimme game. That's not a gimme. Okay, two weeks is a long time. Two weeks is a long, long 
long, 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 long time. I don't expect the Buffalo game to play out the same way uh, Buffalo's game against Holy Cross did. I I don't expect that. But I expect it to be good. And the only way it can be good is if Eastern does not die this weekend, just does not die of heat exhaustion, just stays hydrated, stays healthy, and gets back on that plane feeling right. So I have three keys. I have three keys for EMU heading into Arizona State, the state of Arizona, whatever. I have three keys, and at the risk of sounding corny, man, please take them. Please just take my corny keys. Number one is something I just said. Stay hydrated. Jesus Christ. Saturday is going to be Saturday. Saturday is going to be Saturday. Like, they're going to play to win. EMU is going to play to win. But if they lose, which is a very high possibility, which is fine, you accept it. You accept that as a G5 program. But once Monday rolls around and you're like, okay, okay, let's reflect on the weekend, no matter what happened, let's reflect. Probably going to... Let's let's assume EMU just comes away with a loss. Let's just assume EMU comes away with a loss. Now, how big of the loss is this going to be? It's going to be a 14-point loss. It's going to be a 45-point loss. Let me speed this up for you. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if they lose by two scores or uh, have another you know night like they did in Louisiana. Physically, it does not matter. The loss is going to feel the same. It's still a non-conference. And a win, a loss, a win is going to be great for branding moving forward. Don't get me wrong. And you can use that for recruiting. But if you lose, to keep the focus on the season itself, you're not out of the race for a MAC championship. You will be out of the race if you deplete yourself this weekend after two straight hard weekends from Louisiana to Arizona State. If you deplete yourself physically across the board with everybody on the roster and you don't replenish yourself to get ready for the Buffalo game. That's a bad leg to stand on to lose to that Buffalo team because you couldn't take care of yourself in non-conference play and they roll into Rynearson Stadium and pull off a road dub, probably as underdogs too. That's not going to bode well for EMU moving forward. And honestly, it might just take EMU out of contention for... Uh, the Mac West race. Yeah, they have to win its division for that to be a serious reality or lose. You know, the the interdivision matter that that matter. The interdivision play that matters, of course. The crossover game with Buffalo, it's it's not going to be easy. And so for that I say today against Arizona State where it's a high of 100 degrees and a low of, you know, not that low. A low of what we saw, you know, a high of this week in Michigan. You know, please just stay hydrated, stay healthy. Everybody get back on the plane in one piece and get some damn sleep, please. Please get some sleep. It's going to be a long flight home. Please get some sleep. Uh, Key number two, please, on defense, be crisp in coverage. I think Arizona State's offensive line is going to be really, really difficult to get through. And Creighton said in the press conference that Arizona State, they're going to run it 65 to 70% of the time. They're going to run it a lot. And why wouldn't you? If you're Arizona State, if you have the physical advantage, and if you have all the other advantages to beat EMU, just run the ball, run the clock out, let's go home, get that early dub. 
that's what I would do if I was Arizona State. And with that O line, they're gonna be tough to get through. And it's not like I've already gotten a lot of confidence of EMU's defense in terms of getting making plays behind the line of scrimmage. I have like they have the ability. Don't get me wrong. Like they got good players. They have fast players. They have strong guys. They have smart dudes. But the first week against an FCS school, just one sack. And last week, no sacks. Just a few tackles for loss. And that was a situation where I thought EMU was going to be able to get to the quarterback maybe three or four times. I really thought that was going to be a possibility, but it just wasn't. I think way higher of Arizona State's O-line than I do of the last two opponents EMU saw. And so if EMU is not going to make the pressures, if EMU is not going to make the defensive plays behind the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage, you might as well be crisp in coverage. If they're going to be throw, if they're going to throw it 30% of the time, 35% of the time, don't make it easy on them. Because the run game is already going to be tough on you. Be crisp in coverage. If you can get on that plane, come back home and know, hey, the run game, we just got beat. We got beat against the run. We got beat by a better opponent. But against the pass, we're really happy with what we did against, again, a better opponent, but kind of limited the potential out of Emory Jones and his really good receivers as well. Then I think that's a good confidence note that EMU can hang its hat on, you know, heading into Mac play and knowing that, hey, we hung in there with a P5 school in a very, very tough environment, climately, <laughs> and we were able to run with them. So hats off to us for that. I think that'd be a good place for EMU to be at defensively is if it can be proud of the way it covered in pass uh, against Arizona State's offense. And key number three is just a general, like, I'm throwing my hands up right now and just saying, get it together on offense. That's just, that. that's that's key three. Because last week started out nice in its first drive of the game and it's, you know, finishing its drive after the uh, the lightning delay. But altogether, it just was not there. It just has not been a totally efficient offense. Uh, Taylor Powell's looked good in spots, but he's looked not great in other spots too. I just would love to see more out of him. I would love to see, you know, his game get cleaned up. I'd love it to. I'd love to see the offensive line, you know, them get cleaned up too. But it's going to be super hard against Arizona State's D line. So good luck there. And if Powell, you know, gets it into the receiver's hands. Pro Football Focus has counted eight drops so far. Eight drops out of Eastern's receivers this season. You can't have that. You cannot have drops. You cannot. Like, you are a... I'm going to sound like a middle school coach here, but you are a wide receiver. You receive the football. When it touches your hands, catch it. Eight drops, you can't have that in just two games in the year. Taylor Powell's stat line, I'm not going to read it off because it just looks really bad. I'll wait until after the Arizona State game. You know, And he plays confident. The team likes playing with him, I can tell. And he can get things moving. And, again, and I'm going to agree with Creighton, even after seeing Powell live now. I'm going to agree with something that Creighton said in the preseason, and it's that there shouldn't be a huge drop-off from Powell to Bryant. And so far, I haven't seen that because Bryant was also a risk-taker. 
Taylor Powell is a little bit different. Receivers need to get open. I don't think Hassan Badoon's really gotten open downfield too much so far this year. Tanner Canoe stepped up. Uh, Dylan Drummond's had a few decent catches this year. The run game has not been amazing. Uh, some good plays out of Samson Evans, but not a bunch. And this, this, you know, all these things don't always come on one guy. Like sometimes the drops and overthrows, you know, you, you can point to like one guy and be like, okay, you, you, you got to step it up. But like Brian Dooley, three penalties against him already. Three penalties against a team captain like that. He's supposed to be one of the better offensive linemen at right tackle. You can't, you can't have penalties from that. Like from an experienced guy like that, from a leader like that, you cannot have the penalties from an offensive lineman like that to hurt the offense even more. So offensively, it's just got to get cleaned up. It's just got to get cleaned up. Coach Jordan Hamsworth, 360 AZ, uh, with Utah and USC in a couple of weeks, you know, it might be easy to, to overlook this game for, for fans or for players. What sort of conversations are you having with the, the team right now to make sure you're not? Well, the team's off today, obviously. Um, but um, just when you put the tape on, the tape, I'm gonna, and there's some, there's some cut-ups. I'm going to show them on offense and defense. This is who we're playing, right? And these guys have, uh, you know, they, they, they play hard. And they're going to they're coming in here to win. I mean, don't make no mistake. And, um, you know, as I said, they, they have a nice offense. They do a nice job on defense, rallying to the ball, tackling their physical up front. Got a big old line, got some big – so they're, they're a good football team. So that's the last thing we can do is, is worry about – we need to worry about right now. We need to get another win, right? We just lost the game. I mean, you, you don't want to start doing that. I mean, that's – you got to get going. So – I, uh, we'll make them understand. Now they got to go play. One thing I can't do is play. I can give them all the information, but I can't play for them. All I can do is get them to the game, and then from there, we got to go.